Today's podcast is brought to you by Kills. The next time you need to deliver a professional paint job with results that last, make sure you're primed to win by using Kills Primer before you top coat. For over 40 years, Kills has created a full range of hardworking primers formulated to solve a variety of common problems on any surface and substrate and meet the demands of real job sites. From general purpose to specialty, both indoor and out, you can count on Kills Primers for results you can be proud of for years to come. To learn more about Kills Primers, go to kills.com slash primers. Kills. Every project is worth it. Welcome to Paint Radio with your host, Emily Howard and Andrew Dwyer. It's the APC podcast, the Paint Radio. We love doing it. You love listening. Emily, would you say podcasts are the highlight of what you do or top two or three? It's hard to, you know, it's like picking oh your gosh. favorite kid. I can't pick. I, I could do that in an instant. Peter the is highlight. awesome. Lucy <laughs> sucks. Anyone who's met her knows it. I just no, made those, those names Those are up. his children just for it. Those are fake names. <laughs> Either way, you love podcasts. And today I do. is a huge, we have a huge FU podcast today. And if you're not immersed in podcast industry like I am, you probably don't know that in the podcast industry, that jargon means follow-up. We have a follow-up podcast where we're getting back in touch with the winners, the participants, the lucky, wonderful people from season three of Mission Vacation. You know them as Austin and Lacey Ilsley of AI Painting Plus in lovely Columbia, Missouri, Austin. And Lacey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us. Gosh, it's just a pleasure to be back. (laughs) Love the energy. (laughs) My kid Lucy never gives me that. (laughs) Before I go down that road, Emily, you're nothing like Lucy. Fill us in. Remind us of the joys and the hardships through the, I think, eight episodes that we covered in season three of Mission Vacation. But before you do that, let me, I should probably remind people, I don't know, maybe this is the first time they've ever listened to a Mission Vacation podcast, which is shocking, but we're not going to berate those people. Big tent theory here at APC. Everybody's welcome. Mission Vacation is Emily's brainchild where we choose a winner, one lucky contractor to ride along. Well, we ride along with them as they work with our consultant, beautiful Nolan Consulting, nolancg.com, and they get to know each other and they focus on their big rocks and the, the elements of their business that they want to improve and change so that literally and figuratively they could go on a vacation and not worry that the company is burning down as they're sitting on the beach. That's how I would describe Mission Vacation. Emily, how would you describe season three? Well, I mean, I would say season three was a, a very fun season for us, especially because Lacey and Austin were our first husband and wife team. Lacey was just joining on to the company and they worked with Colin Nolan over at Nolan Consulting, as you said, and they had three big rocks that they were working on. So leadership training, 
position visions and job descriptions. And then finally, this was the first time we'd really touched on this topic, which was family boundaries, because I know they were struggling with Austin kind of always feeling like he was constantly thinking about work and all the things that needed to be done and all the things that he had to kind of remember and and consider because everything was kind of in his head. Lacey just coming into the company too, they were talking about work a lot. And I believe that there was a scenario at dinner where one of the children asked them to please stop talking about work. So those were like the three big things that they were working on. And of course, in the end, they won and they did a tremendous job. And they had just actually gone on their vacation. But before we get into the vacation and how everything went and all that kind of stuff, how have things been for you all since the season finale of Mission Vacation last year? Oh, man. Talk about just like a jumpstart of progress. It's been a whirlwind, but we've made leaps and bounds moving forward and kind of working towards our vision. You know, we've had great success with hiring this year. Uh, We're already on pace to, well, right now on the books, we have already sold as much revenue as we did last year, and we still have plenty of room for more. We brought on a sales rep, and uh, that's been awesome. I'm out of sales now. I'm a acting sales manager right now. I'm not a, a sales rep doing estimates anymore. So that's been great. Lacey has been, you, you mentioned she was just kind of coming on last year and, you know, just kind of figuring things out, but I think she kind of got the hang of it now. So <laughs> yeah, we also, um, we have an office manager, so I've been able to step away from more of office duties and focus more on my role as CEO and bigger picture items and We also have a brand new shop. So we bought a shop and redid it and it's much larger and it's working extremely well for us. So lots of really great, great things over here. So I have to say, that's amazing because I was, you know, I was going through and I listened to the season finale one more time before we got on here. And these were all the rocks that you were talking about at the end. One of the things that you guys were talking about, Austin, I know a really big thing was you stepping away from sales. And so it's been just a little less than a year now, I think, since our last podcast with you guys. And you've got a person. Can you walk us through just briefly how you found this person, what kind of training you did, and how it's going? You know, we it took us a while to find the right candidate. It really did. We considered a few people, and we actually had interviews with them and with Colin, too, to where he could give us his feedback on what he thought about them. Our sales rep now, her name's Jacqueline, and uh, she is a manager at the eye office that Lacey used to manage. So they knew each other. They've worked together in the past. And I went in for an eye appointment, and she said, <laughs> she was like, oh, my gosh, can I just come work for you? And I was like, I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, ah, yeah, okay. Then I left, and I was like, wait, is she serious? She's been selling in the retail arena forever. Like, I yeah. bet this would be perfect. And then Lacey reached out to her and was like, are you serious? And she was totally serious, and it's just been awesome. As far as training goes, we trained. She rode along with me for a good two months. We had to develop some pretty robust systems for her to be able to take on the role because she didn't have field experience. But she's been out selling on her own for about two and a half months now, and she's just been killing it. That's amazing. A lot of people get scared when they think about hiring a a salesperson that doesn't have painting experience and 
you can't teach somebody how to sell, but you can teach them, you know, the industry as a whole. And it's just been absolutely amazing. Actually, like this month alone, her closing rate is 67%. So she's oh just gosh. rocking and rolling. She sold over $100,000 in July already. So. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, and Austin, how do you feel? That's like, that's out from under you. You don't have to worry about it. No. And it just, it's given me freedom to focus on things that I really do enjoy doing. I, I do like being involved in production management and, you know, problem solving things with the team and the field and that kind of stuff. That's why I got into painting. That's why I like it. You know what I mean? In the first place. So, you know, just being able to kind of oversee Jacqueline, but not be the one going to the appointments and that kind of stuff is just, it's been really rewarding. It's also allowed him to do another thing that he's really passionate about, which is, you know, the growth of our leaders and spend more one-on-one time and help with coaching them and spending more time with them, having more meetings with them individually. So that's been extremely helpful. Well, and then the new shop that you were talking about, because you were talking about kind of building up kind of a training facility. Are you all doing some training and that kind of thing? Because you had a lot of new hires last year. Painters wise, how are you getting them trained up at this point? Yeah, so TJ, uh, we're one of our field supervisors. He's kind of taken on the role of part-time trainer. So each apprentice that we hire, they spend a day or two with him in the shop, just doing one-on-one training, watching a lot of the PCA videos. And then after that, they're immediately put on his crew and they work on a job with him and they get real field experience with him. And it's been going really well. He's just He's probably one of our elite craftsmen, to say the least, and just really good at teaching people. So we've kind of let him take over that role. I've always been impressed with you, both of you. Um, oh, shucks. From, <laughs> but watching this from, because I think I was the first one who was introduced to Austin when he entered Mission Vacation for season two. You weren't on season two, but you went on, you did a little bit of coaching and you were both on season three. And here we are, you know, about another 10 months later after season three has ended. And I have seen from the beginning of this process where Austin, everything was truly running through you. You were stressed. You were kind of feeling stuck. And now here you are two and a half, three years later, and it's a completely different company completely different. Everything that I hear, everything that you say is so different from when we first spoke a few years ago. I kind of have a sense of what this feels like for you just from watching you both go through season three, but talk about the culture at your company. Like for the people who were there with you at the beginning, what do you think the difference is in their experience working for AI painting now versus then? They've just really developed as leaders we have gotten extreme buy-in from them to where they're sharing the load. They're sharing the the insomnia, I guess. And it feels really good. And they're a prime example of our core values. And, you know, they pass that on to everyone around them. You know, our apprentices see it. The other painters see it. And I think this whole experience over the last few years has not only been just completely mind-blowing and transformative to me, but I think that has cascaded down to them too. They've experienced similar growth. So I'm assuming there's been, maybe it wasn't a night and day shift, black and white, but I'm sure there's been a perhaps subtle, perhaps sizable difference either in your attitude or in some external force that really pushed you guys to make 
more and bigger changes than you had been. And so that's what I want to ask you individually. What was it? Was it having a coach and just having more access to, frankly, probably better ideas than maybe you had yourself? Was it simply having an accountability coach, knowing that you had to report back to somebody? Was it that the more time you spent on this, it just became a bigger deal, meaning you could not lightly excuse yourself from initiating these changes, maybe because I got to go on a podcast and answer Andrew's stupid questions and Emily just nags. No, none of that happens. So there's all these different things that are going on. Lacey, let's start with you. What do you think had the biggest impact on you? I mean, I think for me, like Emily said earlier, we started working with Colin and well, Austin had already been working with Colin, but also with you guys pretty shortly after I first started. So, you know, I kind of knew of the whirlwind company before the light of APC and Nolan consulting, but yeah, I feel like for me, it was more like looking at the team and, and wanting growth for them and more organization. As soon as I started, one of the first things I did was I sat with everybody individually and asked like, what could be better? Where do you see the company? Where do you see yourself? What can I do to help you get there? And everybody wanted to grow and then grow the company and make more money, of course. And it, so that's was like the driving force for me. And then working with you guys, I mean, just having like a set goal and a vision in the future, that three-year vision, five-year vision and seeing where you want to go. And then just thinking about that every day, every week, every month, every decision you make revolves around that and the growth of our team. And Austin, how about you? Because again, you know, we can choose to do something and we can dedicate 5% effort or 20 or 50. And when we really execute something well, just like when you have a great year at your business, it's not enough to have a great year. You have to know why, right? Because we want that to be repeatable. So what do you think was the really lit your fire? I really think it was just a series of realizations or or epiphanies, I guess you will, that just kind of compounded on each other. The first being, Austin, you don't have to do everything. Shortly followed by, Austin's probably not the best idea if you do everything because you're not really the best at everything. And then furthermore, you know, you're not really helping your team grow if you are doing everything. And if you're going to really hold true to your core value of growth, then you need to step back and let go of a few things. That was the biggest catalyst, I would say, for me. Well, you guys have done an amazing job just as a spectator watching all of this unfold the last few years, I think has been unbelievably fascinating. But moving on to, you know, what this podcast is kind of about. We're sitting here in the middle of July. This is probably one of the busiest painting years I have ever seen in my 15 years with APC. And you guys just took a vacation, which is (laughs) awesome. And that's kind of the marker that we use for success of mission vacation is the whole point is, is that your business can run, you know, for a, a short period of time without you. So first of all, where'd you go? What'd you do? Was it fun? Uh, yeah, we went to Colorado to Steamboat Springs, took the kids. We took Austin's mom. She helps us so much and has forever. And so we really wanted to take her on vacation too. And we just had a good family time in the mountains. We hiked, um, we went floating on the Colorado river we um, 
Ate lots of food. Ate lots and lots of food. <laughs> relaxed a lot, which was, I think it's really important when you take vacation to just kind of, you know, a lot of times people just try to pile in as much stuff as they possibly can in that week or however long they take a vacation. But we did a lot of just relaxing, which was one of my favorite parts, really. Um, <laughs> lots of swimming, lots of hot springs. It was amazing. It's probably one of my more favorite vacations or trips we've ever taken ever. Yeah. Andrew and I love Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Of course (laughs) we both live here. Had you guys been to Colorado before? We had been to Denver. Um, I was born outside of Denver, but we moved, you know, when I was a baby, so I don't really remember it. And I had taken one vacation as a kid and I think Austin had taken a vacation when he was a kid as well. But as adults, no, we've not, We'd always been like, oh, well, we're beach people. We're going to go to the beach. And then after this, we were like, I think we're more mountain people. We would rather <laughs> go to Colorado or, you know, mountains versus go to the beach. So moving forward, we'll look forward to more time there. <laughs> nice. So how long were you gone? How long were you away? We were gone for about eight days. Yeah. It was a solid nice. week and then some. Yeah. A little bit of, I think, a half a day maybe on a Friday and then, you know, that whole next week. So five days, five and a half days away from work, really uh, out of a work week. But yeah, it was just, it was great. That's good. So how long, let's talk about the preparation because a couple of things that we see in entries a lot is people who can go on a vacation, but they do. And it's just absolute disaster when they come back. And the idea is, is that that doesn't happen, right? There's a learning curve to this, of course, but how long did you guys prepare for it? What did you guys do to prepare everyone for your departure? Like I would say, gosh, we were definitely bringing it up uh, about a month prior. And then we actually put it on the schedule for everyone to see as they were looking forward. And then as the weeks got closer, we started to dial in more specifics because our biggest variable is our schedule because it's just so unpredictable. You know, and as we kind of got closer, we get a better and better picture of what the schedule was going to look like. And then we had a meeting, a very detailed meeting of this is what's going to happen while we're gone. These are the likely variables we may face. There could be some changes that happen. We give you full responsibility to deal with them and handle them. And even if it doesn't go well, we will be happy to coach you when we get back on how it could have went. And really just empowering them to make make decisions while we were gone. And was there any sort of ground rules as, you know, under these circumstances, you can contact us or under no circumstance, can you contact us? How'd that go? No, we didn't set ground rules like that. And I think probably in the future we will, because it was one of the first times that we gave them the freedom to make full on decisions, like Austin said. And so there were some nervousness around that, but. I think if we probably would have set those guidelines beforehand, they would have felt more comfortable of reaching out and asking us a quick question, you know? We're not going to lie about it. We did get it on our computers there the occasional morning <laughs> while the kids were still asleep. Yes, just to see how things were going. It's kind of but... hard to leave your baby behind like that and you know, not be too concerned. But that, that's an us thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a yeah. here thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, the way I've heard that explained, which makes perfect sense, is there's a different right way to do things for everyone. And so... If you need to check in a little bit in order to truly relax, then go mm-hmm. ahead and check in. Right. But if that's you're checking in, are. exactly, and you're never disengaging, that's a problem. So how did you, did you feel like you were on vacation? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like Austin said, it was always just a morning thing. You know, let's drink coffee and just look at the email, see how things are going, and then while we're sitting on a porch looking at a beautiful mountainscape, it was actually really nice. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. And then go about our vacation that day. Yeah, tremendous. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there's so much more too. like you said, it's hard to leave the baby behind and old habits die hard that you kind of like Andrew said to make sure that you're relaxed or feel relaxed checking in. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So you guys did mornings and it sounds like people did reach out if they had questions or were they apprehensive to reach out during the day? We did a really good job setting up the field and production. And I think, you know, with both of us being like big part of the company, us leaving and not, I think I probably should have done a little bit better prepping like office issues that might arise, changes in the schedule. One thing that I learned from it is we worked so hard on the schedule and production, but then didn't put that same amount of time in organizing the office stuff. So lots of learning curves there and just because our office manager hadn't been with the company for as long. And so there were some things that were reached out to me and questions asked, which I really appreciate. So I, again, it was like a morning thing that wasn't that big of a deal. Because you can't learn it until you live it. It's such exactly. a, right? <laughs> Otherwise it's all theoretical. Like it can't exactly. hit the fan until you leave. So that's yes. a great, that's a great way to learn what has worked well. Like we implemented these people and these systems and wow, this, this, and this worked great. Hmm. Looks like we could spend more time on that. And it sounds like that happened. It, yep. Some new areas of emphasis revealed themselves. Yep, exactly. Yep. Did anything go horribly wrong? We love <laughs> horror stories. <laughs> there was one, there was one pretty significant schedule change that happened and we kind of, we had to very much on the fly divert an entire crew off of one job to go to another project. But I, talked to Cam, our field supervisor, about it. We both agreed, and it was literally a five-minute conversation, and it was handled. It did cause a little bit of stress in the field, but, you know, that's to be expected when plans get changed suddenly like that. But all in all, it really wasn't a big deal. What do you think that you're, not just you all, but what lessons do you believe that the team learned during all of this, having to, like you said, be pushed to kind of make decisions on their own, What do you think their biggest lessons learned were through all of this? I think just that they need to lean into their their confidence uh, as much as their competence. You know, they're definitely able to do these things, but I think they lack the confidence to really give it a shot. So, and I think that was a big lesson. And I think that's what they're still working on too, uh, you know? Yeah. And some of that falls on us too, because we tend to pick up little pieces that might be left uncomplete or whatever. And so we are, that's something, you know, we could have maybe helped get them prepped a little bit more, but again, it's not often that we both leave and they're left to do those type of things. So just the more it happens, the more confidence they'll probably get. Well, we did have a meeting once we got back and the general consensus around the table was, well, here's a few things that we need to brush up on here. This is what happened while you're gone, this and that. And the general consensus we got was we just didn't want to bug you on vacation. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, we really appreciated that we did because all the problems and small things that, you know, they presented to us in that meeting were easily solved. Yeah. And they did most of the legwork in getting them solved. So we're actually really proud of them. 
You all sound so positive. We have been talking a lot about culture this year, I think, because the hiring situation in the painting industry has been bad for decades. It has been awful these past couple of years. And so we've talked to a lot of contractors out there who who seem to run very culturally strong companies. And I'm hearing a couple of things from you all that I think are really important. If there are mistakes, we will coach you when we return. I'm not hearing a lot of reprimanding. I'm not hearing a lot of, you know, they got to learn from the school of hard knocks because that's how I learned. Do this or you're fired. Talk a little bit about kind of your mindset as you're coaching people to kind of a better place. So if they're they're doing something that isn't working or maybe isn't right or doesn't fit your values, how do you all coach them forward to keep this kind of positive culture that you guys have? I mean, we actually encourage failure. I mean, to us, that's how you learn and you grow. And we talk, we communicate that a lot and frequent communication. I mean, we have so many meetings and I mean, since we've moved shops, we don't meet in the shop every day. So we don't see each other every day. So we do more team building. We're going to start doing like quarterly team building um, exercises, but we meet every Monday and we've turned it into more of a, let's talk about our wins. And if there's a problem, you can bring that problem to your meeting, but also what solution came about that. You can't just bring up a problem for a problem. We have to talk about what solution was had. But then like Austin said earlier, a lot of that comes from our leadership, you know, kind of that domino effect of how they then treat our painters and our apprentices in the field. Yeah. And like to expand on what you said, Emily, I did grow up in this trade like that. I, you know, getting yelled at by the foreman, just the boss being a total jerk. Uh, And I remember how that felt. And I think that's my biggest why as to why I don't want to act like that. And my biggest motivator in finding a more productive solution to coaching rather than reprimanding, because whenever you approach someone in a way that they feel like they're being attacked, which is what that, what that results in, it's counterproductive. They spend the next 30 minutes an hour, sometimes days and weeks getting over the feeling of being upset that you caused for them when you could have just approached them in a productive way and said, Hey, this didn't go very well, but Hey, let me, let's walk through this and see what could have happened. What could have been done better. And celebrating all wins and doing it in front of everybody, doing it on social media and then they share it. And then people see that and, Oh, I want to work for that company. They look like they, you know, they actually care about their employees and they treat their employees well and they're celebrating them. And, I mean, there's so many things that we do on a daily basis with culture in mind on trying to build that foundation and, and just keep it going. So lots of communication for sure. And having those meetings, like Austin said, when there's something that goes wrong, it's not like, oh, man, Austin and Lacey want to meet with me. Something must be bad because we're meeting with people all the time. We're having those conversations a lot. And that way, nobody feels like they are in trouble or they did something awful, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. Well, and there's, I mean, I think there's been this widespread notion that fear drives action and accountability. And it sounds like you guys are doing the opposite here. And especially when we're in a a position where there is kind of a, I don't want to say a hiring crisis because that sounds so hyperbolic, but there, we definitely have a hiring problem in the painting industry, but I believe you guys told me before we got on this call, you all have had incredible 
retention. Tell me a little bit about the retention that you've had and how much of that you attribute to the culture that you're building. I would say almost 100% of it. Um, Yeah, I agree. We have multiple experienced painters that have just recently came on with us that were working in toxic environments for competitors. And they've told us, like, we actually started them out making less, you know, a couple dollars less an hour to them. And that did not matter to them. Their bosses fought and pled for them to come back and even to offer them raises. They said, no, like, just that's not going to happen. I'm I'm not going to work in that environment. And they enjoy working here. As far as I know, when we meet with them, they tell us that. So I think the big thing, you know, is our verbiage and our job descriptions when we do post job openings, we've looked at that and changed it a lot to really like speak to whether we're posting for an experienced painter or an apprentice. Now, when we're hiring for apprentices, we tend to get 50 applicants, you know, lots of people, but when we're hiring for experienced painters, like that's, that's a harder uh, pool of people to draw from. And it's, you know, like you said, Emily, I mean, the, the trade itself has kind of, it is sometimes toxic and it can be. And if you're trying to speak to that person that is in that toxic environment and wants to get out of it, we've drawn quite a few experienced painters from that exact thing. That's the pool we reel in the big ones. Yeah. Um. (laughs) The only two people that we lost this year, one was just that she didn't have transportation. And then the other one was just not a culture fit for us. So people aren't leaving, they're staying. And that shows that we're doing something right. It's incredible. It's so, it's been so fun and fascinating to watch you all go along on this journey. And we're so thankful that you were letting us watch in. What are your next big rocks? What are the next big things that AI painting is working on? Right now, um, our, well, this big word, everyone's talking about recession, this and that. <laughs> I, I don't know how much stock to put into it. Um, I don't want to really think too much about it to where it clouds my mindset, but big rocks. We actually just met with Colin last week and our big right rock right now is getting our financial house in order. I would say really just kind of trying to dissect where we can save without sacrificing the integrity of what we're trying to do in our vision. We do tend to pay our employees quite a bit more than what I think other people in this region do. And we have a really good bonus structure. And so our labor percentage tends to be a little bit higher than the trade industry. And so really that's along with what Austin's kind of talking about is being smarter about some other costs that we have and yeah, just work smarter, not harder. Right. (laughs) So I, I think also just really getting down more systems. So Melissa, our office manager, she's more like inside operations is what I'd really like to say her title is. And she's done an amazing job of organizing just everything, you know, being that bridge from the field to sales, to client, just really getting our processes down to where, you know, like lean principles and getting rid of like wasted time with that labor percentage being so high. What could we do better? What is there wasted time on the job sites, wasted time in the office, wasted time anywhere that we can really narrow down on and fix our systems to help that a little bit better. It was hard to get out what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) No, it makes sense. I mean, it sounds like you guys are 
you're doing a lot of organizing, right? Yes. Organizing and efficiency. And the more efficient you are, the the more you can pay people who work for you, um, which I think is amazing. And that to the point of the recession that we're all kind of grumbling and questioning at the moment, um, <laughs> we will, if I may make a quick pitch, we are going to do a, uh, a podcast in a couple of weeks here with NAHB where we're going to go over the forecast for the next 12 to 18 months in the painting industry. And while I do hear that there are some projections of some things slowing down, there are other things that they believe will continue to grow. So that's encouraging news, I hope. Yeah, Um, for sure. I think it's important that all painting companies, you start to try to figure out how to diversify your business right now, just to prep for that. And, you know, we, have brought on another builder that, you know, we don't love working for new construction, but we will just to have that little bit in our back pocket and then working more on commercial stuff too. So we're not just focused on residential just in case. It's important to be prepared and right. preparation <laughs> is never bad, but when, uh, when it comes to the point where panic is guiding your decision-making, that's when it becomes unhealthy and what we're trying to avoid here. You want to be aware, but there's no point dwelling and obsessing. That's for sure. Don't want to drive panic. Well, Austin and Lacey Ilsley, we love it when good things happen to great people. We thank you, as Emily said, for really dedicating so much time to share this experience with us. We learned a ton. And one of the things we learned is really just how impressive you guys are. We've talked about your mindset. We've also talked about just sort of your mentality. And that's not something everybody, I mean, we are who we are. We each sort of live at a certain gear and, and that, that can be hard to change. So I think some people could listen to you guys and be like, man, I wish I could be that calm. And I know Lacey, you've told us that don't believe it. Austin's not as calm as he sounds, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh it really is impressive. I think your mindset and mentality and how you've brought that to the task at hand and how well you've succeeded. And I think the lesson for other contractors who are listening, who are somewhere on their own journey, you know, we're all on a different path. We all take a different route, but we have to be on the path, right? And we have to be pushing ourselves forward and we can't grow. All the, all the cliches and platitudes are true. You can't grow unless you're uncomfortable. And it's not just about getting bigger, right? It's about getting better. It's about being more happy and satisfied and taking a vacation. So I think you've also demonstrated that it's not just about controlling things, right? You're not trying to control your people and your business and the day-to-day operations. You're trying to invigorate your people in your business so that you can have a lighter touch. And I think you've demonstrated all of that and it's tremendous. So thank you for letting us barge into your life as much as we have. Well, thank you for Devoting your time to us, Andrew. I, I know you're a busy guy, despite what Emily says. <laughs> I am very busy doing everything Emily tells me to do. But you guys have helped us. You guys have helped us out a lot in the last year, and we really appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. And speaking of help, we've mentioned them. We'll continue to mention them because they're a fabulous resource. If you're interested in Nolan Consulting, you can check them out at nolancg.com. CG stands for Consulting Group. Austin and Lacey, continued success. If you're looking for additional resources, of course, go to paintmag.com. It has a whole website of kindred spirits. Emily and her editorial team does a tremendous job of finding people you'd love to root for. And we've got those features and profiles 
at paintmag.com. You guys are all doing great work. Stay on the path. You'll get there, and we're all impressed. Have a great day.